The Last Human Voice. Short Talks. Do I want to be a clone? I am Dr. Mathilde Pavi, a lawyer and an expert in intellectual property law, ethics and new technologies. I'm Marcus Hutton, actor, voice artist and chair of the Equity Audio Committee. And I'm Annette Rizzo, voice artist and union activist, and still learning that every day is a school day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to The Last Human Voice. We're continuing our series of shorter episodes focusing on specific questions artists have asked us about artificial intelligence and what the future or the present holds for all of us. Now, in this uh, short episode, uh, we're going to talk about cloning or um, performance synthesis is another way of describing that, and particularly about people who've had their performances cloned without their permission, or sometimes with their permission, although they didn't necessarily understand what they were signing up for when they gave it. So I think what we're going to talk about this time is what happens if you do give your permission? Yeah, what if I actually want to be or to have my own clone? Uh, My first question, though, is about the words we use. So, um, Marcus, you've just used the term performance synthesis. Is the word clone actually what I mean here? Is there a difference between a clone and performance synthesis? There's virtually no difference. I think the difference comes from where those words have come from. So clone, we've had that word around. We talk about digital cloning, which is basically uh, calling on the word cloning that we'll see also in biology and in science. There's a little sci-fi ring to clone, actually, I think. (laughs) Yes, there is. Uh, And for some, it's exciting. For some, it's a bit worrying. And I think that's part of the reason why that word's been ditched to pick up synthesis. It's a tongue twister for a French person speaking English. (laughs) I kind of hate it, even though it's a keyword in my job. Uh, Synthesis. And and that word also, we've seen it come up in relate because the word synthetic media came up, which means AI generated content, whether it's sound, image, a full performance. And synthetic media came along just before the phrase generative AI showed up in kind of everyday parlance or the media and was itself a way to revamp or re kind of redirect the narrative away from deep fakes that got themselves such a bad reputation for being associated Uh with non-consensual cloning of women and children into porn, pornographic content or any forms of image-based abuse online. And in order to move away from that word, a lot of companies and individuals excited by the technology wanting to use it or invest in it have referred to it as synthetic media and performance synthesis instead of cloning or deepfakes. Yeah, in America, and SAG used this throughout their strike negotiations, this term digital double also appeared. So um, that was another, I think that was perhaps referring more to the sort of whole body experience mm-hmm. of being of, of being synthesized or cloned. And that sounds really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about digital double for a while, except before there were computer generated images uh, or computer generated sound, not specifically using AI, but using whatever pre-existing Uh, technology was available and now most of it is done with AI either as a as a main technology or as part of a of a complex you know of a bunch of other computer based technologies. 
Okay, so look, let's get back to the question which Marcus originally posed, which is what happens if you do give your permission. So um, a company wants to have their own voice of Marcus, let's say, uh, and so they create an AI version of your voice with Mm -hmm. your permission. You've said yes to this. So their client gets to have their phone messages or their presentations or their online videos or whatever it is delivered in the voice of Marcus. Their client pays the company, the company pays you. Marcus, this something you fancy or not? Well... I've been thinking about this quite a lot lately because more things start to come into focus when you start thinking about this. I mean, I've said in the past I'd be quite happy to be cloned if I had complete control over you. So if I had total ownership of my sort of digital double clone self, whatever it is, um, and that I could actively consent or not consent at each use. So not just consent once and then people can use it infinite times to consent for each use. So I suppose, you know, I would want my digital double to be treated the same way that I am. Um, And I don't want there to be a separation between the two. I don't want sort of the digital, a digital version of me to be like a low rent version of me, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So, so, so yes, I mean, I can see, you know, if it's a useful tool to um you know to be able to do some work if somebody needs to make a quick tweak or whatever and they can ask me for permission that's great uh but i don't want to hand i don't want to in order for me to do it i would need total control over the use of it and i would see it as an extension of my own work rather than sort of a separate thing that i sold off i mean you know everybody has their price perhaps if you want to offer me seven figures i might (laughs) i might change my mind i don't know but there you go but it has thrown up other questions this which are more difficult and i'm really interested in what matilda has to say about this now i I, with my for equity i met with a a very big ai company who are making post-production tools uh, recently they're based in london and, and also in america and they are already working with some of the big hollywood studios uh, and they've created a technology whereby for dubbing uh they don't replace an actor an actual actor would do the dub but this technology changes the mouth movements um, on the fly for the actual actor that's in the film seamlessly and in high definition quality. You just cannot tell. Wow. But also the software allows you to type in a new phrase or a new sentence and that can be dropped in and it, because it takes a print of your voice as you're going. But the great thing about the software is that at each change... You're not allowed to actually output anything out of the software without contacting the performer first. So when you make a change, the software says consent required. And then there's this really clever part to the software whereby they can literally, they can call you and say, well, they can send you a a thing on your phone that says, um, "Here's, here's our change. Do you thumbs it up or thumbs it down? And if you thumbs it down, then they can call you and into your camera phone, you can you can do the dub you can dub the new line into your camera phone and what it's actually doing is reading your mouth movements and it's also taking the intonation of your voice but it actually clones the print of what you say into your camera phone into the technology it's really really clever so you get this high fidelity so it's still allowing you some control of your own performance total control and and okay. at each point so i th- i was really impressed with the work they'd done on that and they're also looking at the whole rights systems so and i thought this is a really great they've understood you know what the pushbacks might be and they've kind of created this but it did throw up another question because i thought right if they can 
if in an editing video editing program this is kind of like a plugin i suppose you can i mean they've got another deep editing thing in their in their software where they can take your face out of one take and put it on another take so if they like the performance you gave in one take better than you gave in a second take but they like something else in the second take like they they prefer the camera framing or whatever they can transpose one thing onto another but that really started to bother me because i thought okay well what happens if if you extend the possibilities of this software what happens if they want to raise my eyebrow or they want to make me pull a face that I didn't pull on the day of filming? And I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm really interested to know how performers are going to feel about the degree of puppeting that AI can do. How much do you want people drawing all over your face and your performance? But pressured, I expect they'll feel, because if the notification comes through to your phone, you're under pressure to say yes or no right there and then as well, aren't you? A lot of pressure. Yeah, and that's true. Maybe that's the culture of phone use and notifications that we get it right there and there. We expect a quick answer, but perhaps you could take a beat or you could wait to be on the bigger screen or in the studio to hear it properly. I don't know if that will be an element of it. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they are selling this tech as, as, you know, it's like an ADR studio in your pocket kind of thing. I mean, it's going to put engineers and studios out of work. That also really bothers me. The knock-on of all of these things, you know, the kind of other people we work with. But... I think for actors, you know, the integrity of your performance is very, is very important. You know, you, you, you have a kind of contract when you're performing, even though film is infinitely edit- editable and everything else. There's a kind of contract on the day. I'm talking to the director. We've talked about this. We've discussed it. And I'm giving the performance that I want to give. I've some, I, I want my agency retained. But if they say, oh, you know what, at the end of that scene, I'd really love it if he kind of smirked. Um and somebody makes that decision away and then you feel coerced as you've said into kind of into saying yes that worries me and i'm also worried that you know i've sort of i have had slight conversation with equity about this but but lawyers contract makers finding the language for these more sort of artistic points rather than the kind of financial or whatever terms i mean ha- ha- how does it look? I mean, Matilda, how does a lawyer deal with something like that, which is really kind of subjective and, you know, it's about who's got the control, really? Mm, it's really challenging because I think, as I've said a few times before, the law is always blunter at all than what you do in a creative room on stage in the studio. Like the way you describe things to do with the performance integrity, the quality of the work, the creative decisions, etc., etc., is so much more sophisticated than the law's understanding of it. And that shows up then often in contracts. So how you deal with that in practice is that you have a framework contract that during the creative process or shortly after you often edit because what's difficult is to agree before you start working on something you're not entirely sure what it's going to look like like most projects you have a ballpark idea of where you want to land but the more creative the more unexpected and improvised some of these things will be so you as a performer you don't want to give a blank check of yes do anything with my performance up front so it's a combination of agreeing some basic rules of play before you start and write it in the contract. So it's kind of a, an understanding between the parties. Um, and you do the creative process, whether it's sound recording, film on stage, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end, you end up confirming that, okay, now we've got this output, 
and this is how it's going to be used, et cetera, et cetera. It's a little bit, it's, there, there is friction in that process. By that, I mean that you need to go back and edit and amend and record. But so far, it's been the best uh, way that I've found and I've seen when working those things out in such a new area of practice that we don't know yet a typical process of working in performance synthesis, whether as a one-off project or as a scaled, you know, enterprise or practice, whether it's voice dubbing, an entire body cloning that could, you know, where you could be puppets into a film and video game, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's not easy. I hope it'll get better. And just know that your contract will always be giving you an underwhelming picture of what the collaboration and the project actually was, because it cannot give you the rich, nuanced, sophisticated level of trust and collaboration that has happened between people on the piece of paper otherwise your contract's even longer than what it already is yeah that's what i was thinking you can't you know how how do you lay this out and it, and it throws up the moral rights question as well because i mean when we talked in mm. you know in our moral rights episode about distortion and mutilation of a work well okay that the, the, the law allows for normal editing yeah. practice but this is taking it into I mean, VFX have always been able to do this sort of stuff, but but this is this is so easy now. You know, this is like sort of Photoshop for movies that you could. It's it's very easy to do. Exactly. Mm. And you know, if you get a kind of director or a producer who's a kind of control freak and wants to kind of control the output afterwards, I mean, I mean, this is something that's difficult to explain as a performer. But there's a little bit of like it or lump it about you know there's part of part of the agency of a performer is that look i give you takes i give you everything else but i am in least there i'm in control of the parameters of those and you know this is an old question isn't it it's about you know it's, it's what happened with photography when you did when you were working with film photography that you would there was limitation you know there was limitation in the in the process and everything else but then photoshop came along and you could do infinite things so is it better to have less choices than more choices? I, d I don't know going forward, but I can see I can see this causing friction in the future. I don't know what you think, Annette. An old phrase, a saying I used to have on my wall many years ago, because back in the days when I was young enough that I'd like to have things on my wall, was <laughs> freedom is absence of choice. And I put it there because I hated it, but I also kind of liked it. Because um, mm. I, I think I thought, certainly at the age of 20, I thought I kind of understand where this is coming from. It was an age where, you know, you want to be free. But actually, when you narrow things down, not only, you know, you, you're free to get on with the job in hand, because you already know what mm. the parameters are. So I, you know, I had a kind of love-hate relationship with that saying, and that's kind of where I'm at with it, which, which is, I think we all want to be as free as possible, but, and, and that's part of what we have with the internet, with AI, we have this whole kind of universe and, and more than a single universe, a multiverse of possibilities. Um, and standing before that, it feels like you're standing watching a enormous kind of tsunami heading towards you and you don't really know what to do you know can you stand and will you still be standing as the wave falls or, or, or yes yeah. so I, I, I think that I for, for myself I, I need to know something I need a framework and, and I need concrete questions to ask when I'm staring at a contract and I need concrete, you know, really clear questions to ask of a prospective employer. And I need direction. I, I have a, a certain amount of autonomy. Clearly, I can, I can, I can go. I can make the decisions myself. But I am not qualified 
Um, and that's what frightens me about it is that I, I think I know something. I, you know, I read the words and then I think I'm not sure I've understood this contractually. So what, what can we do, Matilde? Are, are there some practical things to either look out for? If I'm, I'm standing there with this contract in front of me or it's my job to propose a contract to a prospective employer, um, and I, I don't know whether I am, in AI terms, about to walk cheerfully into the lair of the body snatchers <laughs> or whether I'm going to do a deal that is going to, to mean the, you know, the AI version of me is going to be my buddy and we're going to be earning together. What, what do I do to protect myself and my work? So it would mean looking at the contract quite carefully and for specific sections of the contract. So um, each company will, at the moment generate a clone of you according to their own process and that's what makes it difficult to say look at this section look at this section look at those keywords and see what those sentences say because the technology being different the contract will mirror how the technology works so typically you give recordings of yourself voice body all of it hand it over to a company and then a model is made and that model is essentially zero one zero it's like computer technology that's able to generate new you when prompted um, so what you want to control is what happens to the recordings you hand over and what happens with that model that is made now bearing in mind the model is not you because it's zero one zero zero one right but it has the capacity to generate you so you need to control when and who gets to use that and at the moment those rights those control can only be established by contracts or mainly through contracts, because we don't have a legal framework around digital clones, digital doubles, synthesis yet. Um, so you will need to make sure that your intellectual property in the way you attaches to the recordings, potentially the voice model and any content generated with a voice model, you control. You have a say as to when, how, if this is used, and that's your best protection. You also want to see if you have a right to destroy, delete, erase the voice model. And how do you get to exercise that right? And you also should ask the company, how about your personal data protection rights? I have a right to withdraw consent from you processing my personal data. How do I exercise that right? And if they say you cannot because by virtue of this contract, you've consented forever, et cetera, et cetera, that's not true. That's a red flag and you need to ask them to reconsider because other companies will make sure you can still exercise your personal data protection rights. There may be consequences. Um, uh, but it is it should still be a possibility so look out for those things i appreciate it's a tall order because it's complicated tech it feels like complicated law as well and that's why we really need the government to step in to clarify this for us yeah i'd, I'd also watch out for the kind of quick conversations you have i mean I, I had a conversation the other day with um a couple of advertising jobs came in from ad agencies and a voice that was saying somebody said oh look we just really want to make a one word change there's no need for you to come in. We'll pay you. We'll pay you for the session fee. But honestly, can we just use AI to just create that extra word? I said, okay, well, that sounds good in theory. You're getting paid. You don't have to be there. Great. You don't have to get out of bed and you're getting paid. That's fantastic. But this does mean they're going to have to make a model of your voice in order to do that. I said, you need to ask what happens to that model. Do they want to create a model, change a word, and then they're going to erase and destroy the model? I said, that's fine. But actually, or... Is it going to sit in a library somewhere? And that worries me. It worries me. It worries me when people say, look, it's just for a tweak. It's just for a little change. We don't want to bother you to come in and don't worry and everything else. But once you've consented to that, you have consented to a model of your voice or body being created. And that 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 
worries me. What then happens to those models? You know, you've got to be kind of clear about that. And you can't do that in an email. You need a contract for that. It's all about the contracts. It's always about the contracts. Yeah, think it through. Don't just jump to say yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best option. As always, we should point out that these discussions are an exploration of the topics we tackle and should not be taken as legal advice. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, shorter episode and that it's been useful. Um, If there's another question you'd like to ask us or another issue you'd like to explore, then please do let us know. And you can send us a message. You can do that on Instagram or Twitter. You can search at LHV podcast. Give us a follow and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review too. Thank you for listening to The Last Human Voice. Mm